fought for democracy. Looking high and over WMD. He wanted to be brave for his dad and mom. He never saw the flash from the roadside and bar. of Radio Bypass. Today we have the honor of speaking with a man whose music we all love and who has a new album coming out next month. And like me, he's a Chicago guy, Mr. Dennis DeYoung. How are you, Dennis? I thought you said he's a Chicago guy. I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> you, you know it. You know it. It's our Absolutely. way. Where did you grow up in this? You were from the city? Yeah, you were south. I was northwest. I grew up by uh, Fullerton and Cicero. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right, and uh, you weren't that far from uh, you're not that far from Rolling Stone Records, probably. You could get over in about fifteen minutes, couldn't you? Not a, yeah, exactly, and that is where almost my entire record collection came from, too. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I know. We used to go EJ Corvettes. Oh, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, EJ Corvettes, and uh, you know, I, I was so good at buying uh, the uh, you know the records over there. They made me the mayor. <laughs> nice. Remember the mayor of Corvette, that little guy with the big hand? Never mind. I, I, I think I do, yes. Yeah, I Everyone used, just, yeah. I used to do Polk Brothers for records every once in a while, too. Oh, yeah, Polk Brothers. I used to like Polk Brothers. Now, everybody in your audience just turned the radio off or whatever. Know, what, are, what are these guys yeah. talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, pretty soon these two old people will be talking about their blood pressure medicine. <laughs> You're right. We are dating ourselves. Well, let's talk current events. Dennis DeYoung, whose last album, which I thought was fantastic, 100 years from now, came out in 2007, and then I think in the U.S. maybe 2009, but now in 2020, new record coming out, 26 East, Volume 1 on May 22nd is the release date now. It is because of you know what. Right. Everything pushed back, you know, and it's a boot. Listen, kids, are you listening out there? Here's what I planned. I said, okay, I'm going to make this record. When will the next pandemic strike? Let's release it the week that happens. <laughs> so that's, and, uh, and so in, in the boot, no pun intended, now that I've said that, that the record company is in Italy. <laughs> yes, yes, Frontiers. Uh, only thing we're ma missing is a Chinese manufacturer. But anyway, so uh, yeah, it's coming out the 22nd. It was supposed to come out... Um, 
the 10th of April, 9th, something like that. But, you know, this is... This is our, you know, this is a lesson being taught to humanity that we are not in control of anything, so get used to it. Yes, for sure. I know, because I was originally looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night at the House of Blues. I know. It, it, it was a, uh, it's a real, you know, I hate to say the word bummer because I'll sound like some hippie, but it is a bummer. Uh, we had the House of Blues show. We were going to do an album party with uh, the people got a, a free CD and they were going to play the CD before it was released. And then Jim Peterick and I were going to take questions. And, uh, and then, you know, we were going to take the questions and run out in the parking lot and throw them away. <laughs> oh, you are so funny. Yeah. And we're going to, and we're going to play, we're going to play a concert, but you know, the whole tour, like, like the whole world. Okay. Um, Everything's everything except for you know food and you know uh, electricity and uh, healthcare is pretty much shut down. So we you know maybe it's a good thing for us in the final analysis if we don't you know we get to spend a lot of quality quality time with our family which would should you know increase the crime rate. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. But you know everyone's going to appreciate their job a lot more after this is over with, because they're going to say, they're saying this, thank God I can get out of the house. But anyway. Right. You're right. Yeah, I know. So, so that's what's going on with me. But, you know, in some way, uh, I feel frivolous talking about a record album, uh, you know, d- during this this uh, time of crisis. It feels frivolous. Sure. But really, I know people have told me over the years um, how much music meant to them in their lives and particularly the music that I was involved in creating. So I know this is um, something people look forward to, to distract them, you know, from the, the woes of daily life. And of course the woes are whoa, whoa right now. So right. I'm trying to balance that in my mind, if you know what I mean, when you think of the seriousness of everything and, and yet here I'm saying, I have a new album. Hope you like me. Right. Which people will, but, but you're, you're right. I mean, it might seem a little frivolous with what's going on, but at the same time for many of us, I know I was always like this when you're facing a time of crisis and you're feeling down, music is what gets you through. So you are actually probably helping many people get through this pandemic just by simply by creating the music that you create, you know? Well, it's, it's, as I've told people and they tell me this, you know, some odd, so many years later that, how much um, I help them, and I'm not the only musician this, that hears these stories. But how much the, the music meant to them, how many times it, you know, really facilitated them through some tough times. I think to myself, "Wow, that's that's really amazing." Because you know what I was trying to do was beat Queen and Aerosmith, for God's sakes. Right. That's what I was trying to do. I was in the ring of competition, and you wanted to make sure you were better than the next foreigner record. That's what I was doing. So it worked out good. <laughs> All of us, I think. I think so. I think so. Um, so this new record, I know you've credited Jim Peterick with being the one that kind of pushed you to do it. Um, yeah, he pays me to say that, but it's okay. I'll keep saying it. <laughs> but are all the songs on the record, are, did you co-write all of those, you and Jim? or No, oh, Um it's, it's, it's pretty much right down the middle. Uh, there's 10. Yeah, it's, it's Habsies. Um, half of them are, you know, Jim and I together and the other half are just me. Got it. Got it. I wasn't sure about that because I heard you talking so much about Jim's involvement, but I wasn't positive if you did the whole thing together or just he kind of pushed you along. 
No, we he he was the impetus to do it, or, or uh, more clearly, he was the nagging wife who kept calling me up and saying I should make an album, you know, and uh, and I I didn't feel the need to do that, to be honest with you, because of the way the you know the music business has collapsed, particularly around rock music. Yeah, and the outlets for rock music are like meaningless. And people will mention the internet, but to me, the internet is a meaningless bunch of junk. They're the reason that the music business has um, crushed the hopes and dreams of careers of so many young people who would like to try to make a living, you know, bringing the, the joy that my music and, and music like mine from that generation before, um, that that's, it's harder and harder for uh, artists to do that. And so it turns them into either rap stars or pop stars for the most part, you know. Right. So if you like your music that's repetitive, overproduced, and 30 dancers on the stage, you've lived at the right time. Right. Yeah, and, and I don't know what the problem is here where we live in Chicago, why artists like yourself that have had major success in the past, why this classic rock radio can only play this stuff from the past. Why will they not give airplay to new music created by these legacy artists? I don't understand that either. I've talked to classic rock programmers for over 30 years and asked them that question. And while I'm grateful that they play that music that I was involved with back in the day, as they say, um, they will tell you conclusively that, 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 that the people who tune in will tune out and complain if you play new music. That's, I've heard that across the board from everyone. Is it true? Maybe. I don't know. But that's the reason they don't do it. And um, I understand it to a point because let's go back one generation to the what they used to be called oldie stations when they played a lot of the almost exclusive music of the 50s and the early 60s and didn't really get into, maybe touched the 70s a little bit. And for years they played all that, old, all those oldies, and they never played new music and they had a format. I don't know if that format even exists anymore. They're probably just on a satellite someplace, but the people who, listen, radio stations are business as kids. And here's how it works. My belief has always been if a radio station can play one song 24-7 and get all the advertisements because people like that song so much, they tuned in. Radio stations would play one song because what radio stations are geared to do is sell advertising dollars. Right. That's what they, they're not a public service. They are a business. And without the um, advertising money, then they can't afford, you know, their, their broadcasting towers, their, their equipment, their personnel right on down the line. So it is, you know, it is a big business and, and always has been. I think it's, it's shrinking now, but it has been and always will be that way. So for people at Classic Rock Stations to tell you, uh, it's been their experience that the listeners don't want to hear it. I think they might, they might be saying something truthful because um, what Classic Rock people have become are really the oldie stations. That's it, right. 70s and 80s. And it just jumped up two decades. And... Uh, you know, if you're tuning in here, the Everly Brothers and Elvis, and then, you know, and if somebody tries to play you some new music, you know, here comes Lady Gaga. I don't think they would appreciate that either. So that's pretty much what it is. Um, the problem is, and maybe this is the way it should be. You know, I'm 73, Ralph, and um, I've said this before. Maybe I shouldn't be making music anymore 
because it, it was essentially a music made by young people for young people. Yeah, that's and, how it started, true. Uh, the shelf life of rock and roll stunned everybody. So if it started sometime in you know, 53, 54, whenever it really began, it was really, it was really very strong for quite a, quite a number of years. And I think it's, um, in some ways it's, it's been, uh, it's run out of gas a little bit in terms of the rock bands I listen to. You know, it seems to me that too many of them are obsessed with quirky singers. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. And when you look back at even the history of 50s, 60s, 70s, the early 80s, um, every rock artist almost had what I would call a legitimate rock voice leading the charge, name the band, and you, if some had two. Uh, and, and now it seems like so many of these bands, uh, the singers are, I don't know what they're doing. It's, it's, it's like, I think it started out as a, um, a protest against all those singers like myself and that whole generation of the 60s, 70s, and I guess middle 80s. And then you got people who, you start getting bands that didn't focus on that, and it's continued. And I believe, if you want me to show you how this all works together, I believe that's why those singing shows are so doggone popular. Got me? Yeah, yeah. I doze in the voice, and even on America's Got Talent, the people are waiting for the singers because they're desperate to hear real singing because right. it, it's the, it's the con- connection of human soul to human soul through the audit- auditory canal in the ear that touches the soul. It's organic. It's the greatest art form. Music is not music. It is magic. I used to think I was a musician. I am a magician, and all of us are because what we create is indescribable. It's so subjective and so emotional because it's sound waves that connect somehow with the core of the living being. Now that sounds highfalutin, but I really believe that's what it does because as I've said, you know, when somebody sings, you know, a singer sings a note, you can get, you can get goosebumps, right? You can get hair on the back of your neck stand up, can't you? Absolutely. It's connecting physically to us. I can stand in front of the Mona Lisa at the Louvre for two hours. That ain't never happening. That's right. why music is right. it is art form because it is the and the and the greatest instrument is the human voice. And when those things connect, you know it's it's magic. And I I, I really believe that what musicians do is here's my perfect example of this. I have, I have a I've been very very popular in Quebec my whole life starting mm-hmm. with and when we first started going up there you know the population was predominantly uh, French speaking only why do they like our music I, I don't even think they, uh, they I've been told this by the by the the French that they they weren't they didn't even know exactly what we were saying but there was a connection to the sound of what we were doing sure. and the same. And that makes the, makes the point clearly when I, when I hear Nessun Dorma from Il Trondo by Puccini, I, I can cry. I remember the first time I heard it, I started to tear up because I thought, no, I didn't know what he was saying, but it was, it, it was touching me in my, in my soul in such a way that it was inexplicable. 
Right. And there I'm off my soapbox. That's why music is so vital to all of us, because it does connect to human beings on a level that's not intellectual. Although you can get intellectual with lyrics. That's mm -hmm. different. But the sound of the human voice on particular notes and chords is, of course, uh, unique. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. It touches you in, the, in your soul some way that... Like you said, maybe it's the sound waves, but it's it it is not necessarily. Absolutely, remember, music is a physical response. Right. We're reading intellectual, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and yeah. so that, that's it. So now that I've completely bored your listeners, they're saying, <laughs> "When's he going to talk about sex and drugs?" <laughs> yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just like the rock and roll part the most myself, but. Uh, yeah, you know, a little slap and tickle, but the drugs are bad for you, kids. No matter what anybody says, they make you feel good in the beginning, and then it gets bad. Yep, yep, I believe you know, that. Nobody takes drugs in the beginning because it makes it feel bad. The right. point is to, <clears throat> you know, get you going in that direction. Mm -hmm. And for singers, if you want to continue to have the unbelievably amazing sounding voice that maybe you started with, like Dennis did, and then still have it as you go through your career... Drugs don't help you with that either. No, they don't. And, um, you know, a lot of great singers, you know, here's the thing, and young people don't know this, but whatever you do in your 20s will catch up to you in your 50s. Mm -hmm. So that that's a fact. And so if you're going to, you know, if you abuse the gift that you were given vocally, you know, there's a price to pay for it. And, uh, you know, so I'm starting to sound like a really old person today. But no, listen, the truth is, <clears throat> the truth is, you know, for the most part, um, recreational drugs will, will take a toll. That's all there is to it. Right. Right. I agree. Um, so if you want to do something recreational, maybe you do push-ups and sit-ups. Yeah, right. <laughs> or a jag, whatever. So going back to 26 East Volume 1, um, the fact that you called it that, I, I, I assume means there is a Volume 2. Wondering... Yeah. Yeah, we wrote uh, too many songs, Jim and I, together. We had 18 because I was afraid that I wasn't going to have good songs for the record. And the reason I refused to do the record, I had an offer like in 2015. <clears throat> I kept turning it down uh, because I, I, you know, I thought, am I going to be able, I don't want to, you, you mentioned 100 years from now. I thought, that's a pretty good record. I, I don't know, I don't want to make one that's not as good as that. I don't want, you know, you don't want to feel like you're going backwards. Right. So uh, we had a bunch of songs and the record company says, we want them all, so we'll offer you the, the opportunity to make two records. So I took it uh, for a couple of reasons, but the, primar pri the primary reason, I spent a lot of money doing all that, and there was no way to recoup that money, that investment, into making the records. Mm -hmm. So I took the offer. Because, you know, um, somehow in the last 10 years or so, or maybe a little longer now, the idea has spread that music should be free. And technology has facilitated that while the legislatures stood by with their thumbs up their rumps, you know, allowing, you know, an entire industry and everything that that was connected to it to uh, essentially be destroyed. Right. And this is not a plea for money for me because I lived at the greatest time to make music. So I, I'm, I'm good, kids. You don't have to worry about me. You're not going to, no guy's going to come up to you at a stoplight trying to sell you a sucker. <laughs> Help Dennis. <clears throat> but really, musicians, as I, I alluded to earlier, they need to make money for what they do. And it can't just be with live performance because 
even the availability and the possibility of performing live has diminished greatly right. over the last 10, 20 years. So musicians, if you like the music, you know, you should pay for it. And I don't, I don't say you go on there and buy the album and be disappointed, you know, but if you like a song, uh, you should download it and keep the music alive for the musician. Yeah, but now, the downloads, though, does the musician really get anything out of that 99 cents or that dollar twenty nine? I always wonder that. That's why I still buy physical product, because I'm hoping that the musician does still get something from that. But do, do they get something from a download? It's a big, um, it's a big, well, you get something which is better than free. See, here's what I always tell people. We cannot compete with free. End of story. Nobody can. And when people think music should be free, I think, I think they're right. Along with, uh, you know, bananas, mortgage payments, and radial tires. Why not make it? <laughs> hey, Bernie, let's have it. That, this is a, that is a complete and not all the Bernie fans. Well, listen, kids. Historically, you haven't paid attention. Whatever government, uh, you know, form of government you, you, you choose, you better be careful because the people who get at the top, whatever it is, including democracy, they got there because they know that being there will allow them to help their family and friends. <laughs> and socialism is no different. Right. And when you think everything should be free, you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what makes the world go round. So, I, I, somehow this has turned in some, into some sort of political screed, but it's early here in Chicago. Uh, but I'm just telling you, for 99 cents, if the music that you hear and you like it is not worth 99 cents, then it's not worth anything. Don't listen to it. And as I recall, 45 used to be 99 cents when I, in the 1960s, weren't they? Yeah, you go, that, that I, sounds right. Maybe maybe even thirty nine cents for a forty five. I think I remember paying. Mm, boy, I, you should have told me where you were buying your records. I always paid like a buck for those singles. I, I, I think that was at Ben Franklin. Yeah, and that's why people started buying albums. They were three ninety nine, and the singles were a dollar. So you like it, get ten more songs. You know that's why they they started selling. Right, but it's I, I, I hate to make this into a financial situation, but it is. You're paying the musician for his time, his effort, and his talent. And so I say, when you see, hear something new, and it doesn't have to be my music, like I said, I don't need your money. I need your love. So pay attention, right? Go listen to it. If you, don't, if you can't afford it, I understand. But for all the young musicians who are trying to bring you their life's blood work and make you happy, um, consider that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, the podcast that I do is a music podcast, um, playing a little bit of old stuff, but I'm, I, in my case, I'm trying to push the new acts that are out there because I don't think they have any other outlet really. It seems like so. Um, and I, in almost every episode, when I wrap up, I always say, if you like what you heard today, go buy it, you know, cause I'm a big supporter of that because the musician whose music resonated with me that created that music that's wonderful for me. They deserve to get paid for it, you know? I think so. But once again, this is not about money for me, kids. This is about money for young people who are trying to you know, bring their, their point of view musically. And I know, I know it really makes a difference in people, people's lives because they've told me. Yeah. <laughs> they relentlessly 
I mean, wherever I go, like if I show up in Cleveland, the people in Cleveland, if they get a chance to talk to me or on my Facebook page, they're going to thank me for coming there. Man, I'm, I'm not there with the Red Cross. You know, I'm there as a musician, as a jobbing musician, making a living, but that's how much music means to people. And Absolutely. I've been a very, very, very fortunate man. And if anybody listening has ever bought anything that I've uh, that I've created, I thank you, and my family thanks you because you've given me a great life. Well, and you've you've been good to us too. I, you know, your previous band. I have the entire Dennis DeYoung era collection. You know, uh, most of it on vinyl. I've rebought a couple of things on CD, but. All these years later, you know, that music still resonates with me and still makes me feel good and brings me back as, you know, like we're talking, it brings you back to a certain time in your life. If I listen to The Grand Illusion, I remember, you know, what I was doing when I was a teenager and things like that. So, um, yeah, music just, it, when it's, when it's yeah, it just, it's special. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> and that's how right. I... And that's how I felt about your 100 years from now record too. You know, you make a lot, um, I've, I've read things where you kind of make some jokes about you're getting older. Should you still be making music, which you mentioned earlier, but yeah, I got to tell you, Dennis, the 100 years from now record. I, and yeah, obviously it's later stage of your career. And I think that's one of the best records you ever made. I mean, I don't believe in anything. Private Jones, turn off CNN, forgiveness, what fantastic songs those all are. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. If I did, I'd be crazy. But I agree, it is, it is a fantastic album. So, um, yeah, you know, when I need a goal. I'm a goalpost guy. I don't sit down at the piano or the guitar like Jim does, Jim Peterick. He writes to, to breathe and eat and live. You know, this is, this is his lifeblood. Me, I do it. You know, if, if there's a goalpost down there, like if I have a goal, I'll run to it. That's what I do. But gotcha. I don't ever felt the need to do it all the time. Uh, I spent a lot of years doing it like that, and over the years, I felt you know I've I, I think you know I could uh, I could be I could be very happy now with what I've created and say if you want to see what Dennis DeYoung or Dennis DeYoung and Sticks was all about, it's there. You right. can you can check. It out. So um, I know this sounds a little dour today, but but really. Um, you know, you get to a certain point in your life and you think, well, you know, I remember when I talked to my father, he was about my age, he said, Dennis, I lived a good life. You know, I've sure. lived a good life. And that's how I feel. And and I don't feel the need uh, to run in front of audiences. And uh, I do it because, you know, it's it's what I do. Uh, but when, when when I'm on stage... I have some friends and people I know, a lot of people who live to be on stage. I do not. I do not. I have, you know, I have a wife and two children, and I had a wife and a and a daughter before I had a record contract. So I always looked at what I do as being a job, the greatest job in the world. But nonetheless, I understood from the beginning that it, the bargain was: if I do this and you like it, you pay me to do it, right. and that doesn't stop me ever from trying to create the best thing, as the first single said from Snakes, the best thing I could, whatever it was, whatever song, whatever performance, I would be always giving my all. And 
I read McCartney said the same thing. He said, Paul, what do you what do you think when you fifty thousand people are looking at you and singing your songs? Man? And he says, I think about not making a mistake, singing the best note, getting the lyric right, right, the delivering. That's how I do it. And so when you do it in those circumstances, um, it's a challenge because it. When you see me, I make it look easy, easy, and like it's the first time. That's what I do. Right. That's my job. When you pay to see me, you're going to get everything I've got at that at that uh, at that concert. Um, but <clears throat> when the applause dies and I get in the car and I go back to the hotel room, well, it's you know what's on the Tonight Show. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? It's that's just it. I'm not gonna. I learned long ago that the applause that I did so desperately as a young man. Um, when it stops, it does. Right. And that's a lot, of, a lot of performers, entertainers, they they live for that high. They get a high from that. That I frankly have, I don't really get that high. Uh, for, for, I'm not, not that high, but I don't get that high. Because right. uh, to me, it's it's me trying to do the very best I can. And what you guys are doing in the audience doesn't mean that much to me because I believed if I do what I'm supposed to do, you're going to react the proper way. Mm-hmm. That's it. So the, the applause is, I always say the applause is almost part of the song. Interesting. If I start playing lady, people are going to cheer because they recognize and they like it. You see what I mean? Sure. That piano introduction, that was, the, the applause is part of the song to me. So here's when I notice something. If I play the beginning of Lady and they don't applaud, I, I look around and see if somebody pulled my pants off. Because <laughs> you're just because so I, used to that, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the applause. No, yeah. It's not even used to it. It's, it's, it's like I said, the applause has over the years become part of it. Now, I people are putting out all these all six concerts on the up on the uh, on, on the YouTube, right? And Funny if we play a brand new song, like like a song like I don't know, "Come Sail Away," which and, and it's a concert from just about the time it was being released, so it hadn't really taken hold. I can play that beginning, and you know, there's just there's a murmuring and a little smattering, but it's not like you know what I what happens when I do it now. So over the years, those songs have become very popular. The applause does become part of the song to me. And my, my goal is, okay, now, Dennis, don't try do, do yourself a favor for these people. Sing in key, would you? <laughs> yeah. I let's can, talk, about, see let's talk, talk about, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I just knocked, up. I just hit knock the phone off the cradle. Uh, let's talk about 26 E's. What'd you think? Yeah, so I haven't gotten to hear the entire record yet, but I've heard to the oh, good. Yeah, that's why you're talking about, oh, you're going to love this record. I thought you heard the whole record, and, and you're going to go, oh, here's, let me tell you about it. The yeah. first song, East of Midnight. East of, okay. East of Midnight? You've got it, right? Okay, that, that song I've heard, I, and I'm planning on playing that as part of this interview. Excellent song, and I've heard to the good old days. That's all I've heard so far. Well, you've heard the first song on the album and the last. <laughs> Everything in between is is different and eclectic, but they are more like East of Midnight. The outlier on the record is the Julian Lennon song because I wrote that 
for Jules and I to sing together as a duet. It wasn't intended to um, fill the appetite of, of people in, in the sticks crowd that are, you know, in love between 75 and 81. They're just in love with that period. The rest of the album is really more like that period. But okay. uh, for the first single, I, I wanted the Julian Lennon song. And then I was talked into doing a B-side, which is East of Midnight, which is just a pure old-fashioned stick song to me. Yeah, I, I, I thought so, too. It very much has that sound, for sure. Now, you haven't heard the rest of the song, of the album. Well, no, I was, I was planning on getting it tomorrow night at the House of Blues, so no. I, I know, you, me, and, you, and your brother and my mother, and nobody's getting it. In fact, they don't have a, I don't have a copy of the CD. They haven't, they haven't shipped them because of, because of the craziness. Right. Um, they, can't get the, they, they can't get the hard product out. So I have never even seen it or heard the CD. I'm like you. Now I have the music, of course, because I was I knew somebody who was involved in making it. <laughs> but other than that, so you know, the the the, the difficulty of all this is, um, everything in your life, kids out there listening, and in my life has been has been put on hold. So we'll just have to be wise in the short run. And hopefully, if we make the sacrifices short term, you know, we'll be better off. But I didn't know you didn't hear the whole album. Listen, 100 years from now, that was the reason I didn't want to make another one. Because it was so good? Yes. Yeah. I'll say it loud. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that record. It is just so good. Uh, and it got, it got no attention at all. No, it didn't. And, 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 and am I correct? Cause I, I thought when I first learned about this record, cause I, you know, I follow all kinds of music things. I thought it was 2007. Then, it was. then, it, then I finally was able to get my hands on a copy and it says 2009. So did it get released only in Canada at first or what happened with that record? A hundred years from now in English, everything, the one you have, there's no French on it. Right. Right. That's there's no right. guest vocalist. In other words, the one you have, but you have Private Jones. Yeah, my, yeah, mine says um, that it was Grand Illusion Music and then produced under license to Rounder Records. Yeah, that's oh, that's that that's that's not the French version. The first version was released in Quebec. Like I said, I'm very popular there, and it did really great up there. I had a number one record. Can you believe this? Nice. It was a duet with a French art rock star. And that was the title song hundred years from now and half of it's in French. That's why I asked, but no, the one you have is the, is the, uh, the addendum. Oh, that's why I'm too. It has two new songs on it. And, um, yeah, I'm very proud of that. That's just a, that's just a wonderful record. Um, and I'm ho hopefully this one is as good. Um, uh, many people have told me it's better. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let the public judge that. Right. So, well, you know, I listen to it. I'm still, it's still too, still too close. The interviews I've done have been remarkable in, in, in people's um, desire to tell me how much they love the record, which it doesn't always happen. You can do interviews for albums and, and people are nice, but the superlatives for this one have shocked me because um, I, I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I, I always felt 100 years was hanging over my head in my own personal view of everything. So if people like this record better than the other one, um, I like anybody who likes me. I'm easy. <laughs> well, I know for sure from the two songs I've heard, I'll definitely, I'm sure when I hear the whole thing, like it at least as much as a hundred years from now, 
can't say yet, obviously, if I like it better, but um, but I'm sure I like it as much because your voice is just so amazing still. It just sounds so good. And, and the song with Julian Lennon, um, you guys are singing together throughout the whole track, it sounds like. And that, that sounds pretty awesome, too. So, Yeah, it's, um, I'm happy that, you know, that Jules, you know, I sent him the demo. I didn't even know him, man. Uh, I sent it cold to his business manager, and he hadn't been doing, he hasn't done music for six or seven years, and he jumped back in the, in the ring with me to do it because he liked the song so much. So that, that's, that's fantastic. So, uh, you, know, uh, you know, but like I said, one for the Beatles, I wouldn't have a job. I saw them on that Sullivan show and, uh, John Chuck and myself at the Nazo brothers had formed the band in 62 in, 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 in my parents' basement, hence the title 26 East. That was the address of the house. Right. On 101st street, I think. Right. First place. And that, yeah. and that was, um, you know, that was the nucleus of, of six, you know, lots of different guitar players came and went until we found the right combination in 1972. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was the tip of the hat. There's three locomotives. Uh, have you seen the artwork? For the new have record? Yeah. I have not gotten to see any artwork, no. Oh, yeah. Well, you can do that on the internet. It's there. Just Google, uh, what's the name of the album? 26, uh, 26 East. East, Volume 1. Yeah, there it'll <laughs> pop up. There are three locomotives leaving the train station, and it looks like they're, they're, they're flying through space. And, oh, uh, wait a minute. Was- yes, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, that's the tip of the hat to the three guys who started the band. Ah, so okay. the album is, uh, if you like sticks, um, I guarantee you're going to like this record. That's all. And if you don't like them, uh, and you always thought they were poopy faces, I wouldn't listen. <laughs> oh, you are just so funny. Like my voice, don't, go to, don't buy this record because there's a lot of me on it. Right. I, w- I, would, I would hope so. Yeah, I'm singing a song, so you know I'm just showing off a little bit. There you go. There you go. Well, I know I'm I'm super excited about it. Cause, you know, and now mo- throughout your career, a lot of your songwriting, um, you're such a uh, loyal Chicagoan. You, you've had a lot of songs that uh, you've written that always kind of bring you back to Chicago. Including, I know you had a song called "Back to Chicago," but um, in your solo career, you had like "Southbound Ryan" and things like that. Any uh, any songs uh, on this new record that have anything to do with Chicago besides the album title? Well, East of Midnight's opening lyric is a Southside brick bungalow in a lifetime long ago. There you go. Right, yeah, that's true, yeah. There you go. I st- opening words are, are telling you that's where I'm, it's a Southside brick bungalow, even though I grew up in a two-flat, mm-hmm. the Panas. The 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 Panazos were in a bungalow, and bungalow is better than two flat if you sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. A Southside brick bungalow and a two flat long ago is what the original lyric was going to be, right? But I, when I every time I heard me sing two flat long ago, no, I thought that's what? What did he say? Because there are people in the in the world that don't even know what a two flat is. True. So True. Um, I didn't do it. But yeah. there's no there is no specific nod to uh, to Chicago um, on this record. But you know you can take uh, the boy out of Chicago. But the point of view from the person writing is that of a kid who grew up on the South Side. 
you'll know the you'll know the voice, and I don't mean the singing voice, but the lyrical voice. Right, is somebody who came from where I came from. Well, and that's what I've always loved about about you too. You've never lost touch with that person that you were. You know, you, you've always stayed here, even at the height of your success. I'm sure you could have gone anywhere in the world, and you stayed here. You know. And a, a lot of my friends over the years have always said, wow, Dennis DeYoung still lives in the Chicago area? And, you know, i always be like, yes. Wow. You know, everybody just was so amazed at your loyalty to your hometown. Well, people always ask me why I still live in this city. I just smile at them and say, baby, I like the weather. I like no, the weather. I, yep. That's the lyric from, you know, Southbound Ryan. Exactly. You want to know who I am? Read that, read that lyric. There you go. Well, that's what read I the- thought. When that record that, came out. Yeah, in 86. and Or read the lyrics to Harry's Hands. Yeah. And, that's a, and that song, that, yeah. now that you brought it up, I was always curious, was that about your father? Yes. It was. It, it, I was going to, his name was Maury. And that's not a good, that's not a good name. Harry's Hands sounds better. But it was Maury's Hands or all he's got. Because he was a printer. And, all the men that made this country great was a manufacturing king. Um, you know, they, they, they borne the brunt that um, musicians have and that technology and, uh, and such have replaced all those people's jobs. And, and, and it, it, what it did, it took the middle class with them. Mm-hmm. You know, the technology did. And, uh, you know, I am the guy who wrote the problems plain to see too much technology and machines to save our lives machines to humanize dehumanize so if you want to know me read harry's hands that's who i am i'm the son of that guy i'm the son of the lunch pail guy that grew up uh in roseland which is really for people who don't know that's the the, it's really the um historic pullman area Mm -hmm. the same place yeah is your house at 26 east the two flat is it still there still there it just sold recently oh wow yeah, and the people who bought the house from my parents in 1968 just sold it. They were there all that time. Oh, wow. I know. I know. That's so, pretty cool. You know, yeah. Anyway, I've got to go. Yep. It was a great talk to you. hope yep. I answered all your questions. And uh, all you people out there, listen, when all these celebrities tell you what to do and all these, uh, what they want, these public announcements, you know what to do. Are you stupid? We all know. Stay in the house. Keep your loved ones safe. Uh, and try to tolerate them. That's the best. <laughs> That's because, good. Yeah, because if, 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 if you think they're no prize, they're thinking the same thing about you. Very good advice from Dennis DeYoung. Thank you, Dennis. New record, 26 East, Volume 1, coming out May 22nd, unless it has to change again because of this virus. But hopefully May 22nd, we'll see the new record from Dennis D. Young. Thanks for joining us. God willing and the creek don't rise. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Dennis. Have a good rest of the day. So there's my conversation with Dennis D. Young from last week. And I want to wrap this up playing a new Dennis D. Young song from his upcoming album. And this tune is called East of Midnight.
brick bungalow In a lifetime long ago When I was just a lad of 17 I was searching for connection To the big machine Feeling lost like everyone Thinking I was the only one Like a tiny spoken wheel Just spinning round I was looking for direction When I heard that sound Just a set of wheels with a dashboard radio. 